Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Match Slip Podcast. My name is Frank Angeloni, and on today's show, we have a special episode where we're interviewing Josh from The Gathering Place live at SCGCon in Columbus. The Gathering Place is located in North Carolina, and Josh and I had this discussion at the convention site, so pardon for hearing any background noise as there's cheering and stuff going on from people playing in the various events. If you haven't had the chance yet, I suggest you check out our previous episode with Pete from Star City Games. That's our most recent episode. And with that, let's bring on Josh from The Gathering Place. All right, Joshua, thanks for coming on the show. How you doing? I'm doing all right. It's uh, Saturday morning at SCGCon, so exciting weekend. So what time did you start with the convention on Friday? Uh, well, we started on Thursday, drove up about seven hours and uh, hung out. I made some tacos Thursday night, and uh, we got in Friday morning around 8 a.m., started setting up the booth. Cool. And how do you feel the sales went for the first day? Uh, first day was actually better than expected. We did more than we did in Cincinnati last month. Um, so same state, same you know circuit. Um, this was definitely a better jump off point than, than it was a month ago. And you guys are based out of where? North Carolina. North Carolina. And The Gathering Place, how did you come up with that name? What's the store's origin story? Uh, it's kind of funny. I, the Gathering Place was a name for a 24-hour diner that I, the concept was born, you know, four years ago when I first started dealing uh, magic cards. And uh, it was a, supposed to be a 24-hour diner that in the back there was a speakeasy, like a magic speakeasy. You had to show a card from pre-2000 to even get in and there's like a little hole and you could see kind of what was going on back there the bar was in the back this was the concept right um and just like good jersey style diner food uh out in denver so i came up with that concept but it was like an afterthought it was like uh maybe one day kind of thing and then when we found the space we're in now 30 tap bar game store we were trying to, we were building it out, coming up with a name, talking to people, and just polling. And then one of my friends who I told this concept to years prior was like, what happened to the gathering place? And after weeks of us racking our brains for I just kind of stopped and I was like, oh yeah, you're right, that is that is the name. Because it's it was always meant to be together. That's cool. So it was a speakeasy at first. That was the concept, right? It was like a 24-hour diner, magic speakeasy on the back end. Um, that intrigues me completely because speakeasies are probably some of my favorite things to, to, do, to go to, especially like in Las Vegas. They're, they're everywhere. So you're able to sell alcohol then in your in your store. Yeah, yeah, yeah we do. Uh, we have a beer and wine license. Um, we don't do liquor because it would kind of change the vibe a little bit. We're all ages all the time, so we don't have a bouncer. We don't, you know, really need any kind of crazy security, even though we're on a college campus, because we don't do liquor. So it doesn't get rowdy the same way a lot of other bars do. There's this thing called beer golf um, in. <laughs> on Chapel Hill campus, and uh, we're happy to not be on the beer golf circuit. We're not a hole on the circuit. I can imagine. <laughs> something we want to avoid, right? We don't want to get too messy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's just comfortable for everyone to come. 
um, and just have a casual drink. We have like six non-alcoholic taps. So as an undergrad, you can come with a group of people who are 20 or 21 or a mixed group. Some are able to drink, some aren't, and everyone can get something out of the tap and it's there's no pressure to drink. There's no like, you know, oh, they can't come in because they're carting at the door. It's just a comfortable spot for everyone to hang out. And in, your, in the town that you're in, how far are you like in terms of the closest major city? Uh, so we're in the triangle. Chapel Hill is part of that triangle because of UNC and stuff. Um, and then Durham is about 15 minutes away and Raleigh's about 30 minutes away. So Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, it's all kind of one. Chapel Hill is the smallest kind of city in that triangle. Okay. So 30 minutes from Raleigh, 15 from Durham. I consider Durham a major city, but some people don't. <laughs> That, that's one of the ones that would come to my mind that I was thinking of. So I'm curious in, in, with that proximity and rally, like you were mentioning. So not too far away from either of It's not, there's not a huge influx of game stores, right? You've got Atomic Empire in Durham um, and Game Theory and Gamers Geekery in Raleigh and Cary. And then there's a couple new ones, but, you know, there's not 20 stores within the major metropolitan area. What drew you to the business in particular? Were you a gamer f first that brought you in? I've been playing since 95, since Ice Age. Yeah. Wow. So me and my so brother, way back with the game. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's always been a thing in my life that uh, it was what we did when we were kids, right? It was Legos, playing Magic, and you know, SNES, Final Fantasy VII on PlayStation. Uh, and I stopped playing, started playing a bunch of times. And I was working at a donut shop in Denver. The kids I was working with were heavy into magic. So it started me, started that like nostalgia train of like, oh, I should get my brother to send me my cards. And he did. And then I just got enthralled with the magic market because it was, I've always been interested in buying people's collections rather than new products because I like cards from the 90s and so I just looked on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace and was like cool I'll just buy this folk collection over here whatever and then started started dabbling in the market I was a chef at the time doing it as a side project to like collect alpha and beta which wasn't around when I was a kid you know Arabian Nights I'd like flip a collection here take whatever old cards were in it, make a little bit of profit, buy one alpha card, and just keep rolling it over. And then COVID hit. And so, and so you kind of fell into it almost. It wasn't even like an intentional, I'm doing this to start a business. Yeah. I was just buying collections. It was, it was, yeah, it was accidental. And then I realized, I was like, oh, there's actually like kind of a market here. So I could make a little bit of profit, take it all in cardboard, and just build a collection, and if I grind hard enough, you know, I could build a collection out of just profit. So I don't, you know, chef salary isn't crazy. Alpha cards at the time, 2019, hadn't spiked insane yet, but we're still expensive, right? And Arabian Nights cards were expensive. I wanted a Jews Amjin, and it was 800 bucks, 900 bucks. I couldn't just go out and buy that card. So I had to grind collections in order to do it. 
and uh, just kept a little spreadsheet. I was like, all right, I'm up 300 bucks. I can buy, you know, like three alpha cards. And then I would take that cash, tie it, tie it back in. And it just become, became a fun little game. Do you feel that anything from when your time as a chef helped lead you into oh, yeah. what you know now with running this business with the gathering place? Yeah, because it's all numbers, right? So I went to school to be a teacher for about five years, never actually became a teacher. I uh, couldn't finish and get my degree because I didn't have cash enough to finish school. Um, and then went into the restaurant industry for 10 years, uh, or I had already been serving and, and doing a little bit of cooking, but running a crew, managing a kitchen, opening up spots, cost analysis, profit and loss, all that I learned in the restaurant industry. And then I just layered it into this one because it's all the same, right? It's just it's just numbers. Where are my percentages? What are, what are my prime costs? What can I cut? What can I cut? Um, making an efficient workflow, which I was used to in the kitchen. Just I, I turned that into grinding TCG player instead, you know? And it seems like the two kind of, your background from cooking, so food, drink, meshed well with the gathering place because you have the ability to sell the wine, the alcohol, so it, it was like a, almost a match made in heaven from, from that point. It made sense when we found the space, yeah. With, with food service background and that grind and that hustle of 12 to 16 hour days every day, customer service mentality, uh, you know, hospitality was my life for 20 years. And so applying that to a game store made sense. We, we offered something that was a little different. We're bartenders and fine dining, you know, servers and chefs. And then we give that same like white glove service in store at the, at the store, so. And what do you feel these days with running just the Magix shop or just the TCG card store? What is the most challenging thing on a day-to-day -day basis? You know, the current economic climate isn't great globally overall, you know. Um, we've hit some like learning experiences this year, being a new business, being a bunch of young guys who don't really know what they're doing. We're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants and figuring it out as we go along. And uh, we haven't seen like a big economic turndown until now and just fighting cash flow issues and making sure we're not spending too much that's probably the biggest challenge you know um we've got nine people on staff after a year in business and we've started we started with two and then three and then all of a sudden a year later we have nine so balancing that like cost increase based with running the business I'm sure, though, having those nine employees, though, helps deviate specific tasks. Do they specialize in various things, or...? So, everybody's cross-trained in bartending and card support. So, everyone is pulling orders, stocking shelves for TCGs, Magic specifically, and then also knows how to pour a beer and talk about beer and has their preference of, oh, you know, I'm an IPA person, I know how to talk about IPAs especially, or we... You know, we have 30 taps, so there's one of every style of beer, at least. I, mean, I would say this is a very unique aspect to the store overall, because you don't see many stores doing, like, a, 
a semi-restaurant side of things, more like a bar, sure. plus magic and cards, like combining that. I think people do it, you more often see like the cafe card shop, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, and some places pour beer. We're different in the way that we are a fully a dive bar and fully a game store. And so when you walk in, the bar runs right into our cases for the magic store. So you can walk in and be like, oh, this is kind of a cool dive bar. And you turn the corner and you're like, this is, okay, there's power and duels in the case. This is like very much a high-end LGS. Yeah. Um, and just smush them together. Instead of two separate entities or feeling like it's separate, uh, it kind of just all meshes. This way you don't confuse people into thinking like, are these two businesses together or are they you know, one and the same? Um, when did the business first start? When did you decide to start putting this together? What year did that begin? Uh, so it was November 2021 that we signed the lease on our on our building. Um, and I would say the the concept started the first you know October in uh, 2021 when we walked into the space, and I wasn't even thinking about opening a game store. We were going to get an office space just to like house some product and maybe have an eight foot table to have a draft on Friday night. And a friend of my partner's was in Chapel Hill and kind of knew the landscape, so we reached out to him. Um, and he told us about this space and just kind of connected the dots. We talked to some people he knew and they gave us a tour of the spot, walked in and saw a 30 tap system and enough play space for 100 people and I was like, oh, this could be a concept. Like, this doesn't quite exist yet. We're on a college campus. The beer covers a bit of the overhead. And, you know, there's not, there's not a whole lot of profit margin left over in the traditional LGS concept, right? Where you're just selling sealed product and singles. It's tough. Sealed product is expensive from distributor these days. And... You know, the margins from retail, from distributor to retail are pretty tight. So to be able to run a profitable business just on those margins, I mean, you're looking at 10% or less. And so you need the singles to help subsidize that. Yeah, of course. And that's the biggest, pro I would imagine that's the biggest profit margin from? Uh, yeah, singles and beer, you know. Um, beer is 70% on a good day and singles are 30% on a good day. So. If you wash those together and you're doing similar numbers, you can average out 50%, and that's enough to pay people decently, you know, and and stay in business. And you had mentioned as we were recording this, we're at SCGCon. How do you? What do you do with the store? Do you have people right now at the store yeah. while you're here? We're we did 80 people for pre-release last night. Oh wow, that's incredible. That's an incredible I turnout. Got a, I got a text message saying pre-release was big. How big is the store overall just to hold that many? Uh, so we're 4,000 square feet, or 3,600 square feet upstairs at the bar. Um, and then we also have a distribution center downstairs that's another like 4,000 square feet. Oh, very cool. So we process inventory and all that kind of stuff downstairs. Um, there's also a kitchen down there. So we're, I just bought two Baker's Prides from the 70s. Um, so we'll be doing like a New York, Philly style, greasy pizza joint in the next six months nice. or so. I don't know if you ever went to Philly back in the day, Lorenzo's on on South Street. I drove through Philly one time. Okay. It's been a long time since I did that. So it was just, there was no seating in the place. You just walk in, you can get pepperoni or cheese, 
that's it. Um, and back in high school, it was like 250 a slice. So we're thinking a very similar concept. Do the basics, do it well, and cheap, greasy pizza. So what type of events are you holding at the store? What are you noticing are the most popular? Uh, so modern on Wednesday nights fires with like 25 to 30 people pretty, pretty often. So modern scene in North Carolina is big. Um, legacy fires on Friday night with 15 to 20. So we have a pretty competitive and steady legacy crowd. Uh, Commander is always going to be the leader for most stores, of course. right? Tuesday and Thursday we do an event that's free with prize support. So it's just casual, come hang out. And then we have a Commander League as well. Um, but yeah, I'd say Modern, Legacy, Commander. Is, is Magic overall the most popular game you're seeing you play oh, in the yeah. store? Yeah, okay. uh, we support Flesh and Blood, Digimon, uh, One Piece, Lorcana. Um, but Magic is, you know, the biggest pool. I think it's great that you have, you know, Legacy getting to fire every week. Like, oh, yeah. I, sometimes you only hear a store can do it once a month due to, due to demand for it. How, how did that all come about in terms of Legacy? Because so many people have clamored for that in general, and, you're, and you guys are actually being able to uh, fulfill that. We just stuck with it, right? So the, when we first started doing Legacy, uh, some Fridays it wouldn't fire, but it's, it is our Friday night magic is legacy. And so you can come and do uh, sealed or draft, you know, the standard F&M thing, uh, or you can come play legacy. So you do play multiple events at the same time, right? Uh, yeah, seven o'clock fires, flesh and blood, legacy, and draft. And then pre-release, obviously, sealed, you know. Um, I feel like it provides a little bit for everyone, right? And Atomic Empire, who's our, I guess, if you want to say main competitor in Durham, they've been there for 10 years. We're friends with them. We do business with them, you know. Uh, they do modern on Friday night. So we didn't want to compete. We wanted to give something for everyone. So if you play modern, you go to Atomic. If you play Legacy, you come to us. And it allows the entire meta to have a space and not be split, you know? If you're running Modern on the same night that another store is, you're just splitting the meta in half, and then you have to choose, and half people go here, half people go there, and it's half as good for everyone. Half as good for players, half as good for the stores. Whereas if you work with your, your local competition um, to schedule events properly, it's better for everybody. It's a unique thing you see in the game store industry. You don't see other businesses working with their competitors. This is like from what you just shared is what I've heard a lot of stores tell me. It's very common. And in some towns you find that it's the opposite, right? Where everybody's cutthroat at each other. But in most places, and I drive all over the country, mostly the East Coast, but I, I do business with dealers more than anybody else because it's, we all know the margins. It's easy to make stuff happen. We all need different things. Um, but it's good to be friendly with everyone because we can all help each other grow and survive. And some, some towns you go into and, you know, they talk about, oh, all the stores hate each other and we all fight. And, but most, most towns you go into, most cities you go into, you know, I've talked, to, I've talked to stores where everybody goes out to dinner once a month. All the stores get together, go out to dinner once a month and are on a text chain um, and just all help each other. 
it's amazing how sm a small world it is amongst the game store industry because it's such a niche uh, field. And even talking to some other stores, I'll bring up somebody be like, oh yeah, I know them. How did you get introduced to them? And it's, it's kind of amazing how you all, even if you're in other states, either worked together at one point, met each other at a convention, it all because you're all doing the same thing, and I, I like the whole concept that you said. You know, just trying to keep each other, you know, all afloat. Because sadly, with like we were mentioning, with the um, profit margins on like product, for example, it can be quite the challenge. But most of us have our niche, right? Um, we buy beer, or sorry, we sell beer. Um, we do customer service, and we're in the like high-end, old-school kind of realm. Not everybody is, you know. Um, there are certain other stores that are here that are known for that as well, and we look up to them to, you know, kind of for guidance and, and just how do we want to, everybody follows a little bit of a different path, right? And, and if I know this store really loves and does high-end foils, and we have some, and they have what we need, we can easily both make wins happen. What we say at the buy table is like, I want it to be a win-win-win. I don't want anyone in this scenario to lose. So if you're selling me cards, I want you to win, and I want us to win. We have to have profit margin in order to stay alive. And if one of us isn't winning, I'll not make the deal, because I don't want you to lose on the sell side. It's a very ethical way to go about it, too. The market needs to be healthy as a whole, right? And if people are losing in the market, then it's not healthy for at least a portion, right? But if everybody's winning, then it's healthy, you know, rising tide raises all ships. And when you do conventions like this, one of the stores I talked to um, the, earlier this morning was telling me that it's like $10,000 just to have the booth. Yeah, so uh, the overhead for booth space plus Airbnb plus payroll plus food and travel and all that stuff. I mean, SCG Cons probably all in 15k to 20k and then some of the bigger ones are 20 to 30 or more and what's the likelihood of like breaking even at these events over a three-day period everyone's got their different metrics i'd say there's a 75 percent chance of breaking even is a lot of it uh branding of the store is that a big that's why we're doing it right um if i lose ten thousand dollars this year at shows uh, overall, all year, but a hundred thousand people over the year know we exist as a store, and put us in their minds with other stores that have been doing it forever, like Tales of Adventure and Star City and Strike Zone. These people who have been around for a very long time, um, and just kind of have that reputation in the industry of someone you can go to and trust. You know which is everybody in this room. Um, and just that our logo is in the same room as all these other powerhouses in the industry is worth it to me. And the hope is always, you know, you, you build that brand, that marketing will eventually hopefully lead to sales at a later point, even if it's not in the immediate present, sure. it could happen in the future. Yeah, you know, online sales, you know, website, all that kind of stuff. But also brand loyalty, you know, um, we have, we're like the meme booth, right? We like to have fun. We have the magic hole, uh, shake the pasta, all this yeah. stuff. 
Yeah, your team's great. It's very, it's very funny, but you're adding a level of humor to it. You're adding something unique that separates yourself from the rest. Right. If you, you know, someone in Cincinnati said uh, he was sitting at the buy station, and he's going, you know, I just keep coming back to this booth because it's always chaos. You never know what's going to happen. And he was saying this because we were doing a deal with somebody, and it was like, I think sticker price on the cards was like. $3,600 and we gave him a screaming deal at like 3k and he's and it was just off the cuff we were just having fun and laughing and you know the guy the guy sitting there was like what this is crazy he's getting a free OG foil steam beds right now yeah plus a couple hundred bucks off a time walk um, and I don't know it's just I'm here for fun that I just even liked when we were talking about putting this whole interview together and you were like, I just like talking off the cuff and I'm kind of the same way in a lot of ways. It just makes, it must be because we're too northeast, from sure. the northeast, so we're just both can and go back. And people who maybe don't belong in the northeast, right? Oh, right, exactly, <laughs> like, so uh, true. I like the south, actually. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I should go, you know. Exactly, yeah. I. It's it's so funny how, but that, that having that fun element and almost laid back approach sure. rather than the stuffier approach you know draws people to what you're doing it's different i mean sometimes these events can be stuffy like you said you know uh but everyone's here for the same reason we're all here because we love a cardboard game that we all fell in love with when we were kids or as adults or whatever but it's like it's a game it's supposed to be fun you know, and there's grinders and there's people here for the market and all the other stuff. But at the end of the day, we're here for fun and we're doing, we work in the industry because we love the game. And it's amazing how big the game is. And just when you think about what we're in love with, it's, it's like you said, it's pieces of cardboard, which is the hilarious part of it all. But it's it's built a connection with so many people over the years to the point where somebody like yourself created a game store out of it, which is just like fascinating when you put it all together. Yeah, and plenty of people fell into this industry not thinking that that was, you know, I'm on career number three, and uh, this is probably the one I'm gonna stick in because I, it's given me the ability to work for myself and, and just like be around people I enjoy every day. That's a great thing to hear. And would you say the business is, in terms of sales, do you see it more from the online side of things or in-store? Uh, currently in-store. We would like to push online a little more. We turned off TCG Player last December because the fees were just pretty high. Um, and I, you know, if we can push 10K in sales of singles in-store, the margins are somewhere in the like three to four K range, right? If we push that same 10K online, the margins are like one K. So I only have to do a third the amount of sales in order to hit the same net profit. And keeping our inventory in store allows for our customer base to know that, oh, the gathering place probably has it in stock. I don't need to go to TCG Player first. Let's go here first, and then we'll hit online if we need to. And you you know, you mentioned like you turned TCG player off. I mean, the fees being high, that I, I'm not surprised hearing that. But the thing I'm curious about is even if keeping it on, 
how do you stick out with such a large pool of other stores on there? Like, how do you compete? It almost doesn't matter on there. That is the benefit of TCG Player. You just, you turn it on and it does sales. It is the marketplace. It's where everyone's getting their data. It's, it is the marketplace. And so we've since turned it back on over the last like two months just to uh, sell the stuff that is, you know, hard to sell in store. Weird promos, moderately heavily played stuff, um, you know. Because I would have thought the difficulty would have been how to determine your pricing on there with so many other stores. Oh no, there's just like a price match lowest button. Oh wow, so it's that simple. Set it all to low and you do sales. We're going to take a quick break from this podcast to talk about our sponsor, Cardboard Shuffle. Cardboard Shuffle was our 10th podcast interview here at the Match Slip with store owner Mark. Mark has expanded his brand and has produced his own card sleeves called Shuffle Shields. Shuffle Shields come in packs of 100 premium matte card sleeves for standard size trading cards. They contain no PVC and are acid-free. Requests for a free pack of card sleeves shipped for free to you will be processed on a first-come, first-served basis. To receive your free pack of Shuffle Shields, you'll need to send a screenshot that you're following Cardboard Shuffle on Facebook to frank at thematchlip.com. Good luck, and back to the episode. And so what is your day-to-day role these days in the business with having the nine employees behind you? Uh, so I'm working mostly in the distribution center, um, sorting and uploading and determining where inventory goes. Because we have multiple layers to the market, we we sell everything from bulk to power. So when we get back from a show, we're gonna have some bulk and maybe we'll have some power. And so we need to determine where it's gonna go, where it's gonna be sold, what it's gonna be stickered at, who's responsible for what, and that's that's pretty much where I am. Um, and just guiding, guiding the crew. Um, trying to delegate, uh, which is hard, and expanding. I mean, I'm also on the road every two weeks, a lot of different hats. Would you say being on the road helps your business financially compared to a store that maybe can't do it? Uh, It's interesting, because earlier we talked about breaking even on the road, and that's probably usually the case. Sometimes you're a little up, sometimes you're a little down. What it does do, though, is provides liquidity in a weekend, right? So, you know, if you do 20K in sales, sure your profit margin might be 1% or 3%, but you open up business on Monday with another 20K in sales in the bank. So I would say profit margins might be similar to TCG player as far as being on the road, right? You know, slim to slim to hopefully some, um, but it gets a lot of sales flush through in a weekend. And how many of these events are you doing, would you say, in a year? So we've been on average two a month since the beginning of the year. So uh, 24 is kind of the goal, but towards the end of the year, it slows down a little bit. There's like one event in November and one event in December. Do you go to all of them? We try. That's that's an impressive feat. Three circuits, so SCGCon, TCGCon, MagicCon, and then the uh, one-offs. You know, Eternal Weekend was our first show last year. We're hoping to be there again this year. And just, we we held a charity event three weeks ago. It was our first convention. Um, We have no idea what the hell we're doing. Um, But it was a really good event. Players had a lot of fun. We raised 
like $12,000 for Duke Children's Hospital. Um, and we probably broke even or lost a little bit of money. Very cool. At least, you know, at least it went to a good cause that you know you were trying to raise some money for. Well, yeah, and people know our name now, right? Um, we put on a show, which is a lot different than being at a show. Do you have a favorite event that you've been to, whether it be from a financial standpoint or just overall when you're like, you know what, I'm going to keep doing this because even from a branding standpoint, it's it's a net positive. Um, I mean, the gathering was great, you know. Uh, we were the hosts, so of course it was... We, f we felt great during the whole weekend. Um, Magic cons are a lot of fun. Um, they're big, there's a spectacle, you know. The artist stations at Minneapolis were huge foam things with their names and art on the background. It was, it was grandiose, um, so those are always fun. Eternal Weekend, our first event last year, was there's still, it's grindy. I mean, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and the hall hours are long, so it's it's a really crazy long event. And we thought every event was like that, so we did our first event and we were like, whew, this is rough. By Sunday we were we were tired. Um, and then we went to the next show and we we're like, wait, they're not all four days, 8 a.m. till midnight every day? Uh, we had so much fun. It was amazing. This like, is my first time experiencing this three-day grind. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I've, I've went to conventions before, but they were all one day. Sure. So seeing this and hearing you say that, it, and then hearing how many you're doing over the course of this year, and is that something you want to continue to do going into next year? Uh, I mean, we'll see. We have to grind the numbers at the end of this year and just kind of see how it washed out. Um, you know, we, we did it for exposure, and we're a year in or we're not even a year and we're eight months into the show scene and I feel like we've made a name for ourselves at least on the East Coast but uh, throughout the country a little bit. Who knows? I mean, we certainly enjoy it and have fun and we have a crew that wants to be on the road and I hope. What? So when it comes to your free time that, that you have, it doesn't exist. I didn't think so. I figured you with, with the traveling and everything, it's it's got to be tough. But. And even when we're not on the road, I'm driving to another state to pick up a quarter million bulk cards or driving to a collection over here or, you know, three days steal away in the mountains with my fiance, you know, every once in a while, a couple times a year. Uh, yeah, there's no downtime. Do you get to then play Magic at all anymore? No? Nope, never. It's, it, it's, it, that's such a consistent thing I'm hearing with the stories. A lot of them say, you know, I'll play at home with my friends when I'm when I'm at home, but for you it's. Uh, we have a set of 1996 World Champion decks in the van, and that is the only Magic I've played in the last year. Uh, that's it, and we played on the road. What was your favorite when you were playing more heavily? What was your favorite thing to play? Uh, <laughs> Red blue Counterburn has been the deck I've been trying to brew since I was like ten. And have you, did you build it till this? Do you have it at this point? No, no, no. It's just like been tweaked for years and years and it never really works, but it's, it's been a lifelong project. That's very cool. It's nice to see. Uh, it, it is, in, I mean, Merktide in modern right, right. now is red, blue, counterpart, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it has come to fruition. Yeah, that, that's neat. Always good to have those pet decks. I, I, I know that feeling. It's always, it's like that labor of love that you, that keeps you tied to the game. Yep. 
So what is an ambition you have, like a, like a future project for the store, something you know that may be difficult because financially it could cost a lot, but what's something you're envisioning for the future for the gathering place? Uh, the pizza shop, which we need a, need a name for. But we're right on college campus, and we're right next to sororities and fraternities, so we're thinking Alpha Pi would be a good oh, name yeah. for a pizza shop. Ties the magic into it. Yeah, but it also sounds like a sorority or a frat, right? So right. it's like, uh, you don't have to be into magic to like get it. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great idea. Uh, that is the thing that, you know, six months from now, in my mind, that's cranking and open and a lot of fun. Something that we already have a very cool dive bar and a very cool magic store. And if we add food into the element, I don't see how we don't solidify our name as the coolest store in the country. Not the we're not going for the best store in the country, uh, but we're going for the coolest LGS in the country. How would you describe the layout of a store? Like, because since I've never been there before, but I hope to come someday. What, what does it look like? So the bar is in the middle. So you walk up this, we're on the second floor. You walk in the door and there's, on the landing, there's a 14 foot dragon mural. So you walk in and immediately you're like, okay, this is a nerd place. So you feel at home if you're a nerd. And you walk up and you walk in and it's a dive bar. I mean, the, the bar is in the middle and the game store and bar is around, right? So uh, you walk in, you're met with wooden booths and board games you kind of get the sense of the vibe. There's like nerdy art on the wall and usually like hip hop or metal or uh, punk on the jukebox. And you turn the corner and there's place that, place space for like 80 to 100. You know, one of the things I've been hearing a lot from the stores I've, I've talked to is they're all looking for larger spaces. Like as the ideas flesh out, as the player base increases there, they're like, oh, I need to look for a new store. And I know yours is fairly new from, like you were saying, 2021. Has that crossed yet? I mean, because I, I love the layout of what you're describing, what the store does. It's so unique, to me at least. So I can, I can almost envision in my own head needing at some point more space. Is that something you've contemplated? So we recently took over the rest of the building, and it's a 12,000 square foot building. So um, we have plenty of space if okay. we need to expand. Uh, but I think we're comfortable where we are because it's not small. 3,600 square feet isn't small, right? So we're comfortable there and then uh, expanding more space for different parts of the business is kind of where our head's at. Distribution, pizza, maybe a comedy club in the basement next year would be nice. That would be awesome. That's very um, cool. Now you have almost like a variety shop at that point. Kind of, yeah. Come and just hang like the hub of cool weirdness in Chapel Hill, right? Yeah, a very fun hangout spot. So in terms of the player base that comes to your store, what would you say between new and returning players do you see? Like, is there, do you see new players frequently or is it a lot of the same folks that come through? Uh, I mean, because we're on college campus, we're always getting a new player base of freshmen coming oh, in. Oh, that's right? helpful, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a bit of that. Uh, we're still getting, because we're only a year old, year and a half old, um, there's still local folks that are still finding us. Um, but our core is returning player base. You know, we have our, our core group of people who 
are joining new formats. You know, there's an old school scene brewing in our store. Uh, Legacy's getting bigger um, as modern players uh, start to build Legacy as well, right? We have a big modern scene, so. Oh, maybe I'll buy a couple dual lands. Maybe I'll build a Legacy deck. Here, borrow my deck. You know, that meta's growing. Um, and people jumping into other TCGs as well. Or finding the TCG world through Lorcana, Digimon, Pokemon, getting into Magic, getting into, you know, Lorcana for Pokemon, Flesh and Blood for Magic, like crossing over into other TCGs. At, At the, the Gathering Place, place what do you notice are the more popular, newer games that people are, are gravitating towards I mean, these certainly Lorcana just came out, so that. Uh, Sorcery is a new one that um, globally is taking hold. Um, Digimon and One Piece, the Bandai games. Uh, Bandai players tend to sample all the games from that realm, right? So Digimon players are transitioning into One Piece um, and playing both. So we usually like to have them at the same time. Right, One Piece and Digimon all on Saturdays, all at one o'clock. So if you have a deck for both, that community just kind of coalesces and does what they want to do, right? And with having, from a Magic standpoint, the large legacy player base that you have, would you say your store is more of on the competitive side or has a mix of casual and competitive? Mix of casual competitive. You know you can get a good competitive game of Modern Hit on Wednesday at our store and Legacy on Friday. Like the meta is good, it's fun, it's relaxed because we're a bar, so people aren't being angle grindy so much, right? Um, so it's competitive but relaxed is what I would say. Is the Like you're gonna run into the best decks in the meta and people who know how to play it. Um, but they're gonna be super humble and fun about playing. Almost a casual competitive nature. That's kind of how I look at myself as a player. That's how I like to play. Let's stomp each other and then let's have a beer afterwards. So with the ordering of product, because that's a constant revolving thing, especially with so much product coming out these days now, how do you manage that with the distributors? Because I've heard some stores use multiple distributors. So how do you flesh all that out and be able to get the best price so that you can offer it at a price you know, competitive in the market? So you can't really... Uh... There's no haggling with distributors, right? Yeah, there is a little bit, but you're talking about a dollar a box or something like that, right? Um, you just order what you need, don't overorder, and hope for the best. Hope every set is a win. Is there any way you can use to track what what works and what not so that like the next ordering phase that comes around to know? It's really like, so you always have to order months before you know whether it's right. going to be good or not, right? Um, and so, you know, it, best guess. You just best guess. And we track, okay, if we did if we did 13 cases of pre-release last set, do we need 15? Do we sell out? Do we need less? Do we not sell out? Do we need to, uh, you know, is there another store that we can talk to about what they're doing and, and how they're making it work? A daily grind, almost. You don't want too much on the shelves, but you don't want a player to ever come in and not need, have what they need. It's a gentle balance. Well, as we wrap up here, Josh, is there anything else you'd like to tell the people listening before we uh, close out? Uh, just have fun. Just have fun in this industry. Uh, it's like everything else, right? There's 
the margins are fine. Uh, fine to small. So if you're having fun, that's the win, right? Do what you love. And you never work a day in your life. I mean, you work your ass off, but at least you had a good time doing it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Is there anywhere uh, people could find The Gathering Place if they want to learn yeah. more about the store? TheGatheringPlaceGames.com. Find us on Facebook. The Gathering Place International is our like Facebook group where you can find all the secret deals. Um, and I run that just personally. So if you want to get in touch with me, that's the place to do it. Uh, and just come see us. Well, thank you again, Josh, for coming on the show. Thank you to everybody listening. For those listening, you could sign up for our newsletter at thematchslip.com slash newsletter, and you can get a 15% off coupon delivered directly to you to use at thematchslip.com slash shop. If you have an interest in supporting the show further, you could do so at patreon.com slash thematchslip. And we'll catch you all in the next episode. Take care.